The Book of Wonders by Jasmine Richards Narrated by Ida Zeftel Chapter 4 The Praisemaker There was nothing unusual in the street in front of her. It was as quiet as a graveyard, except for Baba and Nonna banging on the door of Omar's family's villa. Zadi and Raiden skidded along the tiled path and joined in with their efforts. But there was no answer. Let's go to our balcony, Raiden suggested. We'll be able to see into their courtyard from there. Baba nodded, his face a portrait of fear in the moonlight. Zadi led the way, racing back inside the house, up the wide marble staircase and out onto the balcony at the side of the villa. She looked over into the courtyard next door. Scudding clouds covered the moon, and it took a second for her eyes to adjust to the darkness. When they did, ice scraped her spine. A ghostly figure in white was being held by two of the sultan's guards, their red tattooed faces smudges of blood in the night. The figure twisted in their arms, and Zadi caught a glimpse of a heart-shaped face, wet with tears. Zubeda. The name was torn from Zadi's throat, a cry of a wounded animal. Her sister wore the white dress of a praisemaker, and it might as well have been a noose around her neck. The edges of Zadi's vision darkened and pushed inward until all she could see was her sister's terrified eyes. She gripped the wrought metal of the balcony railing, its coldness beating back the darkness. Sitting astride a powerful, flame-colored horse, Surrounded by guards, was a man, his face in shadows. A gust of wind chased the clouds away from the moon's surface, and in the eerie light the man's features were suddenly revealed, high cheekbones, an aquiline nose, a handsome face ruined only by the cruel twist of its mouth. The Sultan. He was smiling widely as he took in the scene unfolding before him. Every fiber of Zadi's being screamed in protest as she saw Zubida writhe like bait on a line, trying to get away. But the guards held her sister tight, one of them covering her mouth. More guards stood to the side, swords drawn, keeping back Omar and his brothers. Another scream pierced the night air, and Zadi realized that it came from her grandmother. Nuna had collapsed to the floor in a heap and was making a low keening sound. Baba stood completely still, tears streaming down his face, as he stared down at his daughter in white. Rage filled Zadi, clogging her throat, making it hard to breathe. Swinging her new bow from her shoulder, she withdrew an arrow from the quiver on her belt. The sharpness of the arrowhead cut against her fingertip as she traced its edge, and she suddenly felt powerful. All noise fell away. The screams, the shouts. They became muted, drowned out by the thumping of her heartbeat. I can do something about this, she thought. I can save my sister. She knocked the arrow to the string and pulled back, the cord making a creaking noise as it flexed for the first time. The sultan raised his head at the sound. His mouth twisted into a mocking sneer as he stared straight at her. Raiden grabbed her wrist. What are you doing? I'm taking care of the situation. Zadi aimed her weapon straight at Shaya, and still the Sultan stared at her. He leaned back in his saddle as if daring her to shoot. Those guards will kill you. 
Ride and rasped. An injury to one of the sultan's guards is an injury to the sultan himself. I'm not going after the guards. Zadi's eyes never left the sultan's. Raiden stepped in front of her, the tip of the arrow pressing into his chest. This is suicide. He's too far away. You won't get him. We'll see about that. I won't let you do it. Raiden's voice sounded as though it was shaking with the effort to remain calm. If you want to shoot an arrow, it'll have to go through me first. Why is he stopping me? Her hands trembled on the bow. Doesn't he see that we have to do something? Baba's voice said softly. Daughter, listen to him. From behind her, Zadi swung round to see her father helping Nonna to her feet. Suddenly, the anger that she felt toward the Sultan changed direction and flew like an arrow toward her father. Why aren't you doing something, Baba? Tears stung her eyes. He's going to take her, my sister, your daughter, and you just stand here. Please, Zadi, I will make this right. Her father looked wretched as he took a step toward her. But violence will not help us here. I will go to the Sultan. I'll make him give Zubida back. He will listen to me. He's never listened to you before. Zadi snarled. My whole life, I've heard you say that you work for Shariar to protect the citizens of Tarakat, to keep the Sultan's madness in check. She shook her head. Too many have died at Shariar's hands. My sister won't be one of them. Turning from him, she roughly pushed Raiden aside so she could see into the courtyard below, but Zubida was gone. Omar was being picked up off the ground by one of his brothers. Blood streamed from a wound above his eye, but he did nothing to stop it. He stared through the open gate of the courtyard and into the distance. Zadi followed his gaze. She could just make out the shape of the Sultan's horses galloping against the night sky, billows of dust being kicked up by their hooves. I'm too late. I failed her. Failed. Her grandmother had used that same word earlier in the kitchen. Zubida would now be imprisoned in the city's tallest watchtower, forced to call out the Sultan's decrees day after day, until the time of the hunt. Then Shaya would begin his sport, and release Zubida into the grounds of his palace only to pursue and kill her. A wave of dizziness hit Zadi, her knees crumpling. She placed her forehead against the balcony's railing and drew in a painful, ragged breath. There was a loud, rapping knock on the door downstairs and Zadi stood straight once more, although all she wanted was to curl into a ball of forgetfulness. Her father wiped his tear-stained face with trembling hands, his wedding ring glinting in the moonlight. That will be the Sultan's general to give me formal notice that my daughter has been taken as a praisemaker. Baba laid his shaking hands on Zadi's shoulders. I will talk to him in the library. Whatever you hear, you must not interfere. Promise me. Your sister's life depends on it. Zadi nodded. Baba turned to Nonna. The same goes for you, mother. Wait in your room and rest. I will let you know what happens. Zadi watched her father step through the balcony doors. He walked like a man being led to his execution. 
Habibdi, will you come inside? Nana asked beseechingly. Not yet, murmured Zadi. Nana took Zadi's face in her hands. I love you, Shahrazad, my lion born. You fought for life even when you were just a few hours old. The doctors said that you would lose the battle, but I knew you would not. Nana kissed her forehead. I think I understand what I saw now, what the saffron strands were trying to show me. You will fight for life again. Your own, your family's, and Aribatha's. And you must win. Looking old and frail, her grandmother turned and stepped into the dimly lit house. Zadi and Raiden stood alone on the balcony, but she couldn't bring herself to look at her friend. By stopping her from shooting that arrow, he'd almost certainly saved her life. But she could not forgive him or herself for allowing Zubida to be condemned to death, and Nonna's words weighed heavily on her. They stood in awkward silence. Your father will make this right. I know he will. Raiden finally said. Zadi felt cold although the night was balmy. Her whole body began to tremble. She'll be so scared. She whispered. Raiden reached out a hand to comfort her, but Zadi pulled back. Please, I just need to be alone. The words came out sharper than she'd intended, but she couldn't take them back. All right. Raiden said softly. But I'm coming to find you later. She stared at Raiden's retreating back as he left the balcony and then looked down at her bow. She was as tightly strung as the weapon in her hand. Somewhere in her house, the Sultan's general spoke to her father about Zubida's future. The urge to find the general, to make him pay with his life for her sister's kidnap exploded in her like a firework from Manda. She needed to do something before she broke her promise to Baba not to interfere. She flew through the balcony doors, down the stairs, and out into the garden. The orchard was always lit with flaming torches at this time of night, as her father liked to come home and walk through the sifsaf trees. Nuna said it was the one time in the day when he got to be alone with his own thoughts. Tonight though, the garden was empty. The air smelled of jasmine and night queen and the sweet scent filled her head and made her feel calmer. She padded across the grass, past the citrus trees, and toward the date palm at the bottom of the garden. The tree was something solid, with five concentric rings carved into its enormous trunk, a target that she, Zubida, and Raiden had made one long summer years ago. Zadi took up her shooting stance, one foot set slightly back. She knocked an arrow in the center of her bowstring and let the bow shaft of the arrow rest on the bow, just above where her hand gripped. Holding the bowstring with her first three fingers, she felt it settle into familiar creases. She drew the string back until her thumb was against her jawbone and her index finger almost touched the corner of her mouth. Facing her target, she aimed and fired. The arrow sprang forward as if relieved to finally be in flight, and the sound of it thunking into the tree was reassuringly solid. Zadi let another arrow fly. It swiftly found refuge in the innermost ring of the target. She strained every sinew to keep herself still and steady, she got ready to shoot again, 
allowing her frustration to flow through her and down the length of the arrow. As she let each arrow fly, the frustration, too, flew from her. She felt lighter but realized that her grief over Zubida's fate would not leave. Her sister was a praise-maker. She would be hunted and killed and Zadi didn't know how to stop it from happening. She continued to fire arrows until her arm felt sore before yanking the arrows from the tree and putting them back in the quiver on her belt. She then clipped her bow onto the side of the arrow case. Zadi made her way into the house. She needed to speak to her father and find out what the Sultan's general had said. Arriving at the door to his library, she stopped as she heard Boba's voice rise in anger. Zadi put her ear to the hardwood. Why my daughter? She heard her father say in a cracked voice. Shaya, I have served you loyally. I have done all that you have asked. Zadi flinched. The Sultan was here in her house. Really, Faisal, did you think that just because you were my vizier that your daughter could not become my praisemaker? There was a low hiss of breath. You should be thanking me for the honor. Fate smiles on you, Faisal, for only this very evening my former praisemaker accidentally fell from the watchtower. Such a shame, she was only two days into her season. The Sultan tutted. Oh well. Zubida has now taken her place in the watchtower, and in ninety days' time, as the sun reaches its zenith, it will be her turn to be hunted. To be continued, please don't forget to like and subscribe for more amazing adventures.